if I would have had any other option but to go that next morning, I would have took it. When I have a cell phone, well, I can I can figure something out. When I have a truck, I can figure something out. When mom and dad haven't kicked me out or actually said I'm not allowed there, it can last another day. It can last another day, right? Welcome to Hope Stream, a podcast for moms and dads who have kids with substance use disorder or who are in treatment or early recovery. I'm Brenda Zane, fellow mom to a child who battled an addiction to drugs and who almost died from multiple fentanyl overdoses. So I see you and I feel your pain, and I created this space for people just like us. Hope Stream is a space where we focus on you, your health, sanity, and well-being, and I also bring expert resources to help you navigate this scary and confusing world of teen and young adult substance use. This is where you'll find your tribe, and I'm really glad to have you with me. So let's get into today's episode. But first, this episode is supported by The Stream. You might be listening to this podcast and wondering who else out there is dealing with the kinds of issues you are. Well, there are thousands of moms just like you who are struggling to help their kids and who want to have a more positive, personal, and supportive place to connect with other moms who get it. The Stream is an online pay-what-you-can membership where moms who have kids struggling with substance use focus on their own health, wellness, and sanity with no judgment and no distraction because it's not on Facebook. We have weekly events, a book club, yoga classes, workshops, and great conversations. Being a member of the stream gives you an even deeper connection beyond the podcast where you get to interact with amazing moms and me every day. So if you'd like to hang out with us after the episodes, you can learn more and join us at brendazane.com forward slash the stream. The first two weeks are always free. Then you pay whatever you can. I would truly love to see you there. Now for today's episode. Welcome to part two of Stacey Ekman's incredible story of transformation. We left off in part one with Stacey in a Safeway parking lot, trying to negotiate leaving treatment and being faced with the choice of going back or sleeping outside in the parking lot. He was dope sick, broke, standing in front of his dad and his uncle, and that's where we'll pick up. And I was like screaming, crying, just take me home. And they just left. And then I got in the car and I went with Luke and I continued to, de- it was a Friday night, I continued to detox. They called treatment and said, hey, we're going to bring this kid back. Uh, they said, no, not till Monday, not till the counselor's here. Uh, we have to reevaluate. And I laid on his folks' couch in the basement and so sick, so miserable tried to go home, tried to ask my sister for a credit card to pay for a cab to go to Yakima. Like, what is the matter with me? Told her I was stuck on the pass and the cab driver figured out that I didn't have any money and he had called the cops and he had, like, I made up all kinds of stuff when I was really at the 7-Eleven next door to the house, you know, like, just crazy. And my sister was just devastated and said, I can't, I'm not going to do it. I can't. I'm so sorry, but I can't. If you're going to jail, you're going to jail. That's it. And 
I went back on that Monday morning and then I You did. You went back to the treatment? I went back, yep. Luke bought me a wow. a, a, a McDonald's breakfast sandwich and an orange juice and dropped me off at the front door and I went in and mm-hmm. stayed. They made me start over, so I stayed for another thirty days and that and then you know, and then after that, and then ever since then I haven't haven't touched a drug. Wow. Well, so it sounds like at some point, and this sort of relates to one of the questions, is it sounds like your parents started putting some boundaries in place. And it sounds like it was that night after your dad found the heroin and the crack pipe and everything where they finally said, that's it, no more. And what was going on in your mind? Because I think a lot of what I hear from parents is they have a really hard time doing that. They feel guilty. This is my kid. I can't cut them off. I can't take away the truck. I can't turn off the cell phone because then what are they going to do? What's your, what's your thinking around that? I mean, my thought around that is if I would have had any other option but to go that next morning, I would have took it, right? So when, when I have a cell phone, well, I can, I can figure something out. When I have a truck, I can figure something right. out. When mom and dad haven't kicked me out or actually said I'm not allowed there, I, I like I can it can last another day it can last another day right but the reality with that is is I never I mean ultimately I feel like you, you've got to treat everybody the same as you would treat anybody and I know that my dad if anybody else in the world stole from him took advantage of them the way that I did um, lied to them the way that I did. Like he just wouldn't be, I I just wouldn't be a part of his life. Right. Like just, you're just not welcome here. And it's not because I don't love you. It's not because anything, it's not even because I want you to get sober. I'd love you to get sober, but just because it's not good for my life. Like you just can't do this to me. And I mean, I think the thing that I, I learned, um, after getting, getting, cleaned up getting my life turned around was that you as as a parent like my parents had two options it was take care of themselves and not participate in me committing suicide right like me killing myself with drugs watching me do it every day helping me do it every day or they could continue to participate um, because they're afraid that I might think they don't love me or like, uh, you know, I think a big fear with a lot of parents is, is, well, if I just like kick him to the curb, then, then what has he got to lose? Right. Then he's, then he's really going to overdo it and he's going to end up dead. If that's the case, it's so sad to say, but he's going to end up dead anyways. You're just going to help him do it. Right. Like, do you want to be a part of it or not? Um, and if you don't want to be a part of it, then, you, you've just got to set some boundaries and those boundaries can't be based on trying to change what your son or daughter is doing. It has to be based on what's best for your life. And I mean, I know that like, I like my family was in turmoil because of me. 
right? Like it was just, it was chaos all the time and nobody was happy and it was all because of me. So my parents continuing to like pretend like this wasn't happening ultimately hurt my sister and hurt my sister's relationship with them, I'm sure in the moment and hurt my, my nieces and, and, you know, all of that, like hurt, it for sure hurt mom and dad's marriage. And it just wasn't happy. And if you look at, if you're like 30,000 feet up and you say, whoa, I want to fix everything in my life with one move, it's pluck, pluck Stacy out of it and everything is fine. I mean, and I, and I know that that's like impossible as a parent. And I think about it, I think about it all the time with my son, he's 10. And I think, Am I actually going to be able to do that when that moment comes? So it sounds easy, but, or I mean, it sounds really hard and I'm making it sound easy, but it, it ultimately it's, it's, it's the only option. Right. And, and I think what, you know, the whole concept of just throwing them out and detaching and, and letting them hit rock bottom is, is very extreme. And, and I think, what instead, at least the the therapists and psychologists and everybody are recommending now is just is to hold the boundary, set the boundary, and say no, this isn't happening. This isn't healthy for myself. However, if you decide you want to get some help, I'm here to help you. Meaning, I will drive you across the state to treatment. You know, not I will give you money, but to say I love you. Here are the the boundaries. You can't come home. You can't have a car. You can't have a phone. Whatever it is that that you need to do. Like, how would that have sounded to you? Or maybe your parents said that to you um, because I think that's what parents are being encouraged to do is to, to hold the boundaries with love to say, I love you. I'm not doing this because I don't love you. It's not, I don't love Stacy anymore. Just, you know, get out of my life. It's, I love you and I love myself and I need to do this for myself. And I'm here to help you if you want help. How does that, resonate with somebody since you've been in both shoes you've been in the in the shoes that are addicted and then you know now not being absolutely if you're a person who can actually do that right like if you're a person who can actually set that boundary and then when right. when because i know for for me right i can speak for myself if if, if my dad said exactly what you just said yeah. um, in my mind the 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 door is still open I've, st- I've still got I've still got the ability to manipulate the situation right okay I need a ride give me a ride uh, give me a ride to treatment or I'm gonna mm-hmm. go to treatment dad but you know I, 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 I really need to take care of this before I go or like it, there's there's a fine line between there it's a difficult line to hold i guess because they love us so much you love your son so much and my parents love me so much that right uh if there's still an opportunity for communication and any of that in my mind as the addict i think okay well it could have been worse like i still have an opportunity to manipulate this situation Mm -hmm. and then you go back and if i can't manipulate it then you know I keep hitting mm, that brick wall. Well, right, then, right. then, then ultimately it it works. But I personally think nothing 
that my parents did, like them cutting me off like that, I did. That's not why I decided to get clean. It's because I had no other options. So if they would have cut me off six months before, I wouldn't have went to treatment on Monday, right? It, I, I still had other, you know, I wasn't in total debt with the drug right. dealer and I, I still could like hustle up some work right. and I hadn't stolen everything there was to steal. And, um, you know, I, I still had some options. So right, that was a big thing, but I just think that the decision needs to be based on what's best for you because you're not actually like, affecting it one way or another. You as know, the parent. As much as we want to think, yeah. yeah, as much as we want to think as people that we can push and pull to get to help our kids, especially, mm-hmm. right? Like make the right decisions and do the right things. And it, it's just really, really um, doesn't work that way. Yeah. Especially with somebody who's addicted to drugs. Right. Because you're not working. I think one one thing that's easy to do is if you're in that situation as a parent, you forget that you're not actually dealing with your child. You are dealing with your child who is now owned basically by a substance. And it's not like you're talking to or negotiating with or rationalizing with your child in this in the state of mind that they would normally be in or is a healthy state of mind. Um, and that's why it leads to the question of, well, why would you do that? Because you forget who you're dealing with. But it sounds like any little sliver of window that is still open or door that is still open, you will charge through that like a raging bull if you are in that position and you and you see that little window open it's like, okay, I can still do that. And and I love how you were saying that you made up these stories because so many parents and moms will say, well, wait a minute. But then he said he had, he owed this money and then we had to go over here and then we had to do that. And then I bought him that because, he, and the, the, the complexity of the stories is, mm. is impressive. Like maybe you should be a screenwriter because <laughs> there's so, so many interesting twists and turns that happen in, and I know, at least with my son, come to find out later, none of that was going on. There yeah. was none of that. It was just, you know, the way of being manipulated into doing whatever he wanted me to do. Yeah, there's a reason that, that drug addicts in particular, if the, the lucky few, the blessed few that actually come out on the other side, there's a reason that they are usually amazing salespeople. Exactly. I can sell an idea of yes. how this has to happen and how you need this and I and it's gonna benefit me. I can sell it to the wall. Right. right. Like I can talk the wall into giving me that money if I right. need it. Right. Um, and I that's a learned behavior because I had to, right? Like it, I had no other option but to figure out a way to talk mom into giving me some money so that I could pay that to get drugs. But really it was, I got this bill that's due. And if I, if that, if, if, if that check bounces, well then I'm going to lose my checking account 
And if I lose my checking account, well, then my credit card payment will bounce on Friday. And uh, it's going to cost $200 when really all I need is 80 bucks. Right. Like, well, okay, here's 80 bucks, you know, like every time. Right, right. No, the manipulation is masterful. And, and for parents, you're not even functioning well because you haven't slept well because you're so worried about your kids. So you're not even coming from a, a healthy place. And For then to sure. have that like black belt level of manipulation done on you is is pretty crazy. But um, so, well, you've answered a lot of the questions just in talking through your story. And and I also want to say congratulations on, you know, just having listened to this, I, you know, I just am so astounded at your um, your journey and then to be able to go. And I think it's so fascinating that you say, I went because I didn't have any other options. Like, so you you have to really get to a point then where it is your choice because like you were saying, nothing that your mom or dad could have done would have gotten you there. Is that is that a true statement? Yeah. That's true. And I didn't decide, I didn't decide to quit doing drugs until after I got home from treatment. I mean, I came back home and, and with every intention of getting back to my life of who, who I am, because like I had nothing else except for that life. And, you know, other things happened that ultimately I realized that I didn't realize that, that I had a, I knew that I was a drug addict and I liked doing drugs and I was going to do drugs until I died when I was doing drugs. That was, that was fine with me. But I hadn't really accepted the fact that I couldn't not do them. I only, I kept telling myself like, only reason I have to do them tomorrow is because I've got to go to work and I can't go to work if I'm sick. And, you know, I always had an excuse of why I had to do it. But when I was, dead sober 34 days 35 days dead sober and my counselor said to me on the way out of treatment said to me hey man i know you have no intention of staying sober but you, you think you've got it under control just try just do it for two weeks when you get home see if you can stay clean for two weeks and i looked at him and i was like done i'll text you in two weeks like it was like a challenge like dad right when i got the Without the catcher's gear, fine. Two weeks, piece of cake. And I wasn't there for eight hours before I was on my way to get drugs. And I didn't get drugs that night. Somebody from treatment had called me to check in and like a whole bunch of things, like really like big God things happened. But when I was sitting there on the phone uh, and of course didn't tell the person I was in treatment with, like where I was going and what I was doing. And thank goodness you called. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm great. Everything's good. Yeah. Loving it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Mom and dad are so happy to see me. It's great. You know? But after I got off the phone, I realized it, I was, I was screwed. Like I couldn't do it. I couldn't stay sober. Even if I promised somebody I would, and I'm somebody that if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, it, it totally owned me. And then that's when I really decided I was going to get cleaned up. And so really what got me sober was me deciding I was going to get sober, not mom and dad taking everything away. I mean, not having any other options that probably kept me alive for the next 30 days, 35 days so that I had the opportunity to make the decision, but that's not why I, I got my life turned around. Right. It's, it, it's, it, it was because I, 
decided that I was, I would, that I needed to help. And so then I did what everybody told me I was supposed to do, which is start being around people who had been through it. And then that's when it really started to work. And I decided I'm okay with the next three or four years of my life being way worse than the worst of the worst drug years. I'm okay with that so that I can actually have control of my life. I couldn't stand it that I would wake up in the morning and every day I would still think about doing drugs. and I needed something to wake up. And like I, I just, I was so sick of that. So that's when I decided to do it. So I think that for the moms and dads, presumably, um, or sisters or brothers or anybody who's listening, you know, it's it, your child is putting you through anything like what I put my folks through and my sister through. I'm sorry it, it, that I do not envy you, and it, it's it's really difficult. Um, but I think that my biggest advice is is take care of yourself. You can't take care of your child unless you're really healthy uh, mentally and physically, and getting some sleep. And it's a whole lot easier said than done. But but your life matters too. So try try your best to be happy. And, and do what you can to have good relationships with the people who aren't stealing from you and the people who aren't um, keeping you up all night because those, those people uh, deserve it, you know? So I think that, that that's, that's really important. And did you see your mom doing any of that? Did you see her taking care of herself and, and saying, I can't have this in my life. I can't, let you not until I be destroying your life. Not until I had, I had gotten sober, and at that point, once I was once I was sobered up, you know, mom was still struggling. She didn't trust. They didn't trust me. I was I had moved into a to a Oxford house over here in Seattle, and so they you know they don't know what's going on. I have no money. I have no job. Of course, they're worried sick about me. At some point, she talked to my friend's mother who was married to my friend's dad, who, who was long time sober. Um, and, and she told my mom that she should start going to some Al-Anon meetings. And mom started doing that. And she really started living it. And it was, she, she, she really started living it. And it, it helped her a lot. It helped her understand that she's just got to take care of her and, and helping, uh, helping me, continue down the wrong path is not the right way to go and you know at this point I was sober but just understanding that it's okay that you don't trust she didn't trust me and that's okay you know I let her down and it's it's not up to her to like learn how to trust me again it's not that's not her responsibility and I it that took years you know like years of me showing back going home and showing up years I didn't see a checkbook sitting on the counter like they might just be in the habit of putting the checkbook away when right. I come around. Right. That's locked away in a <laughs> exactly. safe somewhere. <laughs> and I mean, at this point I, I didn't, you know, I didn't become a major league baseball player and buy their house and do all the things. But last year I did buy their house and I, I have, you mm-hmm. know, mom works for me. Her, she gets a paycheck every Friday from me and, and I help financially support, them just like I would have if I was a major league baseball player. Now they don't have Mercedes like they would if I was a major league baseball player, but they, they, 
I, I am fulfilling that thing I told him I was going to do. I'm just doing it in a different way. And, but even with all of that, when, when COVID happened, when, when, when it, when they like shut us down and it was crazy and my business was closed for a couple of months, my mom still, you know, 11 years in nine, nine Oh nine. So, uh, uh, 11 years in my mom, my sister and my dad, checked in and said, are you going to be all right through this? Like, is everything going to be okay? Mm. And my mom said, if you need a meeting, you, you go to a meeting. Uh, can you call, can you call Chad? Chad's another one of my really good friends that you, you know, does Danica, my wife, does, does she know what to look for? Mm. And like, I haven't even thought about doing drugs for <laughs> seven, eight years, you right. know, like I haven't even, it doesn't even cross my mind. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's okay that they don't trust me. I don't, I, you know, until I realize that I don't deserve that, like I've earned this where I'm at, yeah. um, you know, then I'm in denial at that point. If I yeah. think they should just trust me. Wow. That's, there's a couple of things in there that I think are really important. A, that you are so committed and, and what a interesting and beautiful twist that, your mom is now getting checks from you um, versus you stealing them from her. I think that's incredible. And then the other is that you say, I haven't even thought about it for years. And I, I think that's one thing that parents can't imagine is ever going to happen. And that people just, I know in talking to my son, that he would have never thought. And if somebody would have told you that when you were 25 or 26, oh, dude, there's going to be a time when you're not even going to think about using drugs. You would have thought they were out of their mind, right? Like there's no way you would have believed that. So you don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, you don't understand how bad I am. And, and so that's, you know, I don't know if anybody will listen to this who's actually in addiction right now, but if they do, I think that's super important to hear, but also for parents to be able to understand this is, this is changeable. (laughs) This can change. And you, you, that kid who is making your life hell right now can be paying you and employing you. And, and I think that hope and that is so important to reiterate because it is so hard to see that when you're in the thick of it it doesn't seem possible and i do i i do all of that and i was excited to do all of that and it was like my goal and dream to hire mom and all of those things and she kicked me out of the house right right like she i i did it never like i wasn't like well the heck with her she screwed me right no i'm i'm uh, now that I'm cleaned up, I'm, I'm, uh, emotionally intelligent enough and self-aware enough to know that she had no choice. Right? Like I, I, she was doing that right. out of, out of a hundred percent love. And it was the hardest thing for her. I knew it was hard for her and I used that against her. That's how low yeah. we are in that moment. Like mom is devastated. And that's right where I want her because yes. that's when I yes. can talk her into giving me what I want. 
Right. Exactly. It's, it's so crazy. It's it's so twisted. <laughs> it's, so crazy. it's so twisted. And and I but I I'm so glad that you said that because the guilt and the not knowing and the sleepless nights of should I have done that are just such torture um, for moms and dads. And so hearing that from somebody who has been there is so important. Um, and I think that that can really help just to alleviate some of the the questioning. There's the constant questioning that you, you know, as a parent, you go through every day is like the series of 18 questions of, am I doing the right thing or the wrong thing? And should I have done that? Or should I have done that? Or, and so very, very helpful. There was one, I think you answered all of the questions. Um, you magically wove those in, but one of them that I think would be interesting to ask is when you were younger, so when you were going through all of that with the baseball and realizing that, oh my gosh, maybe this isn't going to happen. And then, you, you know, you went off to college and then you came back and you were really hit with that reality. And psychologically, that would have been really painful. And that's when you sort of started drinking and experimenting. Is there anything that you can think of that could have helped at that stage right when you were at that tipping point of like, oh, this isn't going to happen and I've made such an ass of myself and maybe I can't do what I want to do for my parents. Do you think there's anything either that parents could have offered or or done or from the outside, an outside resource? Or do you think that's just a phase of life that that's where you were and and it, and it is just what it is? What are your thoughts on that? So I, 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 don't, I don't know the whole answer to the question because obviously... You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> you know some, something changes and, and everything, one thing changes and everything changes. But I know for sure that if my mom and dad would have sat me down right there and said, hey, I know you're going through a tough time. We love you anyways. Uh, don't start doing drugs. Wouldn't have changed a thing. Right. You know? Uh, so I think that I honestly believe um, that what could have happened uh, right then is if I realized that the real issue with the way I was feeling was the fact that my identity was so like, I, I didn't know who I was and who I was going to be and how I could show up and how I had let everybody down. And, you know, just to be clear, like mm. I, I still feel like I let my dad down, but he has never, like when I was done playing baseball, never did he was he like, oh, I wish you would have tried harder or right. He he just loved it because I loved it. You know, right. when I was done, he was done and that was fine. But um, if if somehow I would have came to that realization on my own um, instead of because you know nobody told me I was a letdown. I just right. felt that way. Right. Um, and the reason I felt that, like, it's it's a double-edged sword because the reason I felt like I was letting everybody down is because my whole life, everybody believed in me, you know, mm. and I and I continued to to live up to that, right? Like, my parents think I'm going to be really good at this or that, and I end up being really good at this or that. And so that moment when they thought I was going to do something and I didn't do it, I decided I let everybody down. Nobody, mm. nobody else felt like I let him down. They didn't right. care. I, right. my, I bet in the back of my dad's mind, he probably knew I wasn't going to be a major league baseball player. Like, there's not that many of them, you know. Yeah, right. 
That's a pretty special thing. (laughs) He just wanted me to love what I was doing and believe in myself. And I did that so much that, that ultimately I, I, I lost my identity. So, so Mm -hmm. back to the point is if something would have happened, who knows what it is, but if something would have happened in that moment that made me realize that wasn't my identity for me to realize that, that may have changed. Yeah. I may have not needed to, uh, you know, drown away my sorrows with, with drugs. That being said, something would have come up in life and I would have been there. Right? Like it, that's just who I was. It, it wouldn't have changed me. It wouldn't have said, okay, Stacy, you're, you're, you're not a, you're not an addict. You're not a drug addict. Uh, it would have said, well, you're not a drug addict yet. You know, like something's kind of mm. come up because really what mm. got me out of that is, is doing the work and understanding uh, how to treat people and understanding what, what that holding resentments against people is, is a miserable way to live. And that ultimately drives you to hold resent resentments against yourself. And, you know, all the things that lead up to that, um, I know how to um, combat those feelings now. Um, and I wouldn't have learned how to do that unless I went through that, that, that time and learned from people that are just like me. Can't say no. So it's been a teacher in some ways, a very painful teacher. Um, and, and did you do that through AA or what was your mechanism for, for sort of getting through that and getting to the learnings? I did. I did. Uh, I did it through AA. I went to a ton of meetings cause it's all I, it's all I had and they accepted me there. Um, when I was here and I had, had nothing and, and, you know, I, I just wrote it out for a long time. I'm not a believer in the saying fake it till you make it unless mm. you're just getting sober and you just keep going to meeting. It's really hard to mm. find any heroin at an AA meeting. So you just keep going to meetings. <laughs> you just keep going. <laughs> you just right. keep going. And, right. and, and that, that ultimately is eventually, you know, it's the same. There's, there's a, there's a famous saying in, in AA that's if you, if you hang out at the barbershop long enough, Eventually, you're going to get a haircut. Yeah. And they say that in AA uh, as a negative thing. Like, hey, yeah. yeah, you're sober, but if you go hang out at the bar long enough, eventually you're going to mess up and have a drink. Or if you're, if, you're, if you're dating somebody who drinks every night, eventually you're going to have a drink. So stay out of the barbershop or you're going to get a haircut. You're going right? to get a haircut, yeah. But I, it works the other way, too. I just hung out at the barbershop, the AA meeting, yeah. until until it started to click in enough to where I, to where I wasn't at risk of just at noon going out and getting high. I wasn't fixed until I went through another really hard time in my life where a relationship fell apart and I had made kind of that relationship, my identity, right? I did the same thing with her and that relationship uh, that I did with baseball. Like she was cool. She had a great job. Uh, everybody loved her. She was popular, like all of the things. Right. And so then when we broke up, I felt just like I did. And, and that is when, uh, you know, I was dead sober a couple of years or three years sober at that point. 
and I was a wreck. And I, then I got a sponsor. I worked the steps. I had a sponsor quote unquote prior to that, but I just didn't ever work the steps. I would get two or three in and then stop going to the meeting or stop going to our meetup. And, uh, I called him a couple of days later in stronger language. I said, I'm screwed. Like it's, it's, I'm, I'm screwed. I got nothing. And he said, well, are you willing to try one more thing? I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. All right. He says, I'll see you Tuesday. And then I worked the steps and I did them for real and they were terrible. You know, I learned a lot about myself in that, you know, through that. And my relationship with my family during that was very distant. You know, I know that this, that the people listening to this are mom primarily and like I was so distant from my family. I wasn't going home on Thanksgiving and I wasn't going over there for the holidays. Uh, I wasn't calling every day and checking in. I was, I was, I was so distant because I needed to figure me out. You know, I was still really ashamed of who I was. You know, I was still just, I was still just a, just a stain on my family and uh, a burden. I felt like a burden. I was still always broke. I had nothing. I mean, this is, this was three years in probably, you know, I was probably 31 years old, 32 years old and I was still needing money, but I'd quit asking for money because I felt too ashamed. Like I think what I'm getting at is like, I got sober and got, got my life turned around without any help from my parents. You know, they helped me financially. They paid for the Oxford house. Of course, if you're sober, we're going to help, but they had no part in me actually figuring out who I was and getting my life turned around. Uh, I decided that and I used them as motivation and I want to make them proud. I want to, I want to do this, but ultimately uh, my relationship got more and more distant, distant during that time of me, like really learning who I am. That's very interesting. I'm so glad you said that because there is, I think a perception that once he or she gets sober, it's all going to be lovely again. And we're going to go on family vacations and we're going to have Thanksgiving dinner and it's, it's all just going to be fine again. And it sounds like that is not necessarily the case because there's still a lot of work that you're doing on yourself. Yeah. And during that time, uh, it sounds selfish, but during that time, if, if we're really, really, really doing the work, we don't have time to make sure mom trusts us and like, we'll get to that. I'm, I'm going to keep not doing drugs. I'm going right. to keep not drinking. I'm going to keep not right. doing drugs. I'm going to keep not drinking. And at some point I'm going to see mom and everything's going to be fine, but she's going to be looking at me funny because I know she doesn't trust me and she's going to be worried. I'm going to go get high. And then uh, I'm going to just keep not doing drugs, keep not doing drugs. And you just know that eventually everybody's going to see that, well, Stacy doesn't do drugs anymore. Like he, he just doesn't do drugs. And mom and dad, of course, like like I said, COVID, they they were really worried. But they don't talk. We uh, we don't talk about it anymore. Nobody's like, whoa, uh, how you doing? Except uh, when something comes up, and just like a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like the world might be coming to an end. You never know. Right. Yeah, they check in to make sure I'm not going to be high like that. when that happens. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but. It, but it, it just, it really, really, really takes time and nothing happens overnight. And that, for me, when I see somebody who, quote unquote, like got sober, 
they come out of treatment 30 days in and uh, they're walking around like everything's okay. And they're showing up to family dinner like everything's okay. That's a huge red flag to me because if they're really going to get their life straightened out, stuff is not okay in that moment. Right. Because getting the substances out of your system in like a detox and a 30-day program or even a 90-day program, that's just the substances, but then there's the rest of the work. Yeah, I I don't like I don't have a drug problem. I have a life problem, right? Like yeah. like, like drugs are not my problem. Drugs are my solution. Like drugs mm-hmm. are not the problem. The, 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 whatever makes me do those drugs is the problem. And so when you take the drugs away, when you take the solution away, the problem becomes more and more glaring. And if you're right. walking around, like there's no problem, it's just a matter of time before drugs are, are, if they're not already, if you're not already doing them, they're coming, right? You've got to, you've got to deal yeah. with the problem. Wow. 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 Thank you so much for so much honesty. And um, I think if I had heard this, I'm trying to think of how many years ago, a lot of years ago, it would have been incredibly insightful. So do you want to just talk briefly about kind of what you're doing with your business? And I know that you do help people when, when they reach out to you. I live my life and my business um, was built on the idea that I'm not the center of the world and I'm not going to be, uh, I'm no better than anybody else. And uh, so whether it's drug addict or alcoholic or just somebody down on their luck or whatever it is, um, we just take a whole lot of pride in helping when we can. Cause I, I know exactly how that homeless person feels. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that we just hand out dollars to homeless people, but I know what it feels like to absolutely not. I know what it feels like to be dead sober and have no idea how I'm going to buy dinner. Like, I know that feeling. And I don't have that feeling anymore. But, you know, my life, I'm, I'm extremely blessed and and I've worked really hard and we aren't in that spot right now, but I have been there. And so I know what helping, whether it's, you know, with dinner or with, with talking to somebody or helping a kid or, or whatever it might be, like we're, we're always, um, we're always looking to help. And that's kind of what, you know, gets me up in the morning. So I think that in life, um, that's how I stay on the right track is I, I just try to think about other people instead of think about myself. Wow. And you were saying that when you were in in those dark days, you you thought your life was over. You didn't think that there was anything worth getting clean for because what would you do because mm-hmm. you know, you're you're going to be a, an addict and nobody's going to hire you and so seeing I think you know for for people to see yeah, actually, there's a lot that you can do. And, uh, and I'm sure that people look at you and and see that and say, wow, 
okay, this is what life can look like. It's amazing. And you can even be giving back is, um, is so important to see that, that it's not, um, it's not the end of the road because I do, I have, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of a couple of moms in my community who have kids, they're 19 and they're saying, I'm not going to get sober. Why would I do that? There's nothing for me. And they're 19 years old. Didn't go to college, got bad grades. Like what's the point? Yeah. 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 And they're, you know, they're the, the, the moms are just beside themselves because obviously you're, you're looking at saying you're 19, you're a baby, you know, but same um, thing my dad was saying at 28. Yeah. What are you talking about? You're a kid. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're not even supposed to have it figured out yet. Right. You're supposed to like now's the time to start figuring it out. So let's get straightened out. But like, what are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's all about perspective. So, Stacy, thank you a million times over for this. It is going to be really game changing for I know a lot of parents. Just quickly, is there any resources um, besides obviously AA? And um, I'll put a link to your website on there. Is there anything that you have found, like books or podcasts or courses or speakers or anything like that, that you would recommend to somebody to check out? Unfortunately, no. Just talk to people who have been through it. You know, continue to talk to people who have been through it. Try to find a podcast where. You know, somebody like you, right? Like you've been through it as a mom and listen, listen, listen to Brenda and Brenda continue to try to have some addicts on, uh, drug addicts or alcoholics on that are no longer in it. You know, I think that brings good perspective. So just talk to people who have, have gone through it, but also don't expect to understand it. You're never going to understand it if you haven't been through it. Well, I hope that you have been as impacted by Stacy's story as I am. It's one that is so important to share because parents get to a point where nothing they do is working or helping and we feel completely hopeless. Stacy is proof that people can overcome addiction and I want to thank him again for generously and bravely sharing his story. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to go to the show notes, you can always find those at brendazane.com forward slash podcast. Each episode is listed there with full transcript, all of the resources that we mention, as well as a place to leave comments if you would like to do that. You might also want to download a free ebook I wrote called Hindsight, Three Things I Wish I Knew When My Son Was Addicted to Drugs. It's full of the information I wish I would have known when my son was struggling with his addiction. You can grab that at brendazane.com forward slash hindsight. Thanks again for listening, and I will meet you right back here next week.